Hello, good morning. My name's Judith Curtin and I serve on the leadership... Sheep? No, well, that's quite biblical, isn't it? The leadership team here at Freedom Church. Good morning. We've got a great crowd in the studio this morning, as you can hear, the noisy ones. But I expect there's some noisy ones at Bracefield, at Abbotswood and at the Abbey Hall this morning. And welcome if you're listening online as well. And I just don't think... It's a coincidence what I'm speaking on this morning. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God incidences. And that's why I'm speaking this morning, the next in the series, which is all about God's mercy. And, you know, as we've been praying this morning, if you don't have the words to know what to pray, I love the Anglican response to their prayer, which is Kiri Elison. Lord, in your mercy hear our prayers. If that's all you pray this week, be faithful in praying it. Kiri Elishan, Lord in your mercy. And this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. The next in the series, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation and the message paraphrase. Matthew 5, verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And in the message paraphrase, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. Have a little think. What do you think mercy means? It's a word that you might have heard before, but what do you think it means? I'm just going to give a few thoughts about what I was thinking it meant. Well... I have four children, and three of them are boys. And they are three years apart, my boys. So you can imagine what I, our household was like at one point, and still is when they're all around at some point. Well, they used to spend a lot of their time on the floor fighting. And I would always be hearing cries from whatever room in the house, mercy, mercy, get off me, Joel or Isaac or Simi, get off me, show me mercy. And it was like a cry for help. And also, I used to think myself something of a linguist. I have now realised I am not a linguist, but when we used to go to France on holiday, I used to pronounce the most common French word for thank you as mercy. Until I was shown it, you have to roll the R and it's mercy, I think. Evelyn, if you're listening, please just block your ears. But anyhow, so I used to think of it as a sort of cry for help, mercy. And that's what it might be. And also, or a thank you. So it might be belying between the help me and the thank you bit. I went to Zumba this week for the first time in two years. And everybody, yeah, whoops from here, everybody was uh, singing along in Spanish for, at some point. And I was just crying, mercy, get me out of here. But anyhow, it could lie, the meaning of mercy, between a help, a plea for help, and a thank you. But I think it's really good this morning if we go right back to the beginning with what the Greek meant. And in Greek, mercy is seen as an adjective, a doing word, an action, something we have to do. And the same Greek word for merciful is used in the passage in Hebrews 2, verse 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him 
that is Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that we, he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. You see, in Greek, the word is elimon, literally meaning one with a disposition to forgive or offer kindness and help in excess of what may be expected or demanded by fairness. So this morning, I want to unpack what mercy looks like in practice and why it should matter to us today. And let's look back in Luke 10 at the story of the Good Samaritan. A man's been robbed and he's been left for dead. Two people, a priest and someone who worked for the temple, have already walked on by and not shown one ounce of mercy. And then in verse 33, we read, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And in this passage, Jesus is linking, we'll go on to see that in a minute, compassion and mercy together. You see, it's not just a feeling, Jesus says in the story. This Samaritan goes up to him, he gets dirty, he binds up his wounds and he pays for him to receive good care. Jesus often throughout his teaching links compassion and mercy together. The Greek word for compassion is plagnisomai, which means literally to act on their behalf. It means you are moved inside. It's not just an emotion. You are moved in your gut, which in the ancient times was seen as the seat of love and pity. Dr. Caroline Leaf in her, is a cognitive scientist, and she writes in her book, Switch on Your Brain, about how our gut shares the same tissue and cells as our brain. There is a concrete link between thinking, feeling, and doing. The Greek word splagnizomai for compassion is used 12 times in the New Testament and usually about the person of Jesus. And so Jesus tells this story to show you can't just feel mercy, you should be compelled by everything in you to show it. In verse 36 and 37, it goes on to say, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, The one who showed, use the word showed, mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. In the story, Jesus says mercy has two parts, tenderness of heart or compassion and action. So why does mercy matter so much? Well, mercy is the character of God. In Exodus 34, verse 6, it says... Yahweh the Lord, 
the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. When God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, he revealed himself in this fourfold description. And this is our God. Compassionate, merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. Here is what we most need to know about God. He has a tender heart and he cares and acts for our good. The rest of the Bible takes up the same theme and I haven't got time this morning to list all the verses that talk of God's mercy. And maybe sometime in the week, you might like to start looking into that because it's quite a great study. But let's look at Titus 3 verse 5. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. I just love how Jesus shows mercy to Peter. Peter betrays Jesus in a spectacular fashion, the mother of all mess-ups. Three times, in fact, in quick succession. But Peter's faith produced repentance. Mercy means that failure need not have the last word. Mercy means that failure need not have the last word. So we've seen that mercy is in the character of God. Mercy also mat matters because it is God's calling to each one of us. The whole point of our Christian life is that the character of Jesus will be reproduced in all of our lives. This means a community and a church who have a tender heart that cares and acts for the good of others. It's our calling. We can't get away from it. Micah 6 verse 8. The Lord has told you what is good and this is what is required of you. To do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God you won't find a clearer description of our calling. So where and how can I be merciful in my everyday life? What would it look like? You see, the Samaritan in the story did not deal with the cause of the man's need, like chasing away the robbers. He did not complain about the fault of society to meet the man's needs the Samaritan addressed the immediate need set before him. And he did what he could to bring relief. You know, we sometimes find it easier to show mercy to people who don't profess a faith. And we're often hardest on those around us in church. Jude verse 22 says, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. God calls us to have a tender heart to those who are struggling in their faith. Father God, save me from being hard and demanding. 
make me tender towards others, sensitive to the loads they bear and faithful in bringing mercy, as Jesus is merciful to me. We always need to see the best in each other, as God always calls out the best in us. In Peter 4, verse 8, it says, Love covers a multitude of sins. I had a great friend at uni, Nora. It's a great name, isn't it? She was a straight-talking Geordie. And she always said, Faults are thick where love is thin. You know, some things should not be covered over. And Peter, in this verse, speaks clearly that it's sins, not crimes he's talking about. There is a difference. The great speaker and Bible teacher Spurgeon said, I recommend you always to have one blind eye and one deaf ear. My blind eye is the best eye that I have, and my deaf ear is the best ear that I have. You see, a hard heart makes a great big deal of another person's failure, but a tender, merciful heart often uses a blind eye and a deaf ear. You see, God does not treat us, thankfully, as our sins deserve or repay us according to our wrongdoings. He is merciful and his love covers over a multitude of sins. Let's look for chances to do it this week. Satan is the father of lies and is always manufacturing rumours that would make a person think less of someone who is their brother or sister in Christ. We can all become very adept, adept at helping him. You see, it's as bad to believe a lie as it is to tell one. It's as bad to repeat a lie as it is to invent one. There's a harshness in our culture that very often creeps into our church, that is very quick to believe the worst about a person and slow to think the best. A merciful person goes the other way. He or she will think more of a person's virtue than their failings. A merciful person will close their ears to slander unless they're compelled to do otherwise. I'm so grateful for this verse in Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. God remembers I am dust. And I must remember this in relation to others, not to set unreasonable expectations on others. And learn not to be surprised by discouragements and disappointments. We must get beyond thinking that a person will be a constant paragon of virtue just because he or she is a Christian. If someone's hurt you, injured you or wronged you in some way, 
don't be surprised if at some point God puts you in a position when you have an opportunity to get your own back. Look what happened to Joseph in the Bible. His brothers wronged him terribly, but God blessed him. And one day when his brothers needed food, they came begging to him. Joseph had them in his complete power. Now, what you do at that moment will be the most revealing thing about you. Joseph forgave his brothers. That's what mercy does. I'm going to invite the band to come back as I finish just a bit of a response this morning. The Lord Jesus stands before you today. He reaches out to you in mercy. His tender heart cares for you. And he is 100% ready to do you good. You may have messed up like Peter or the prodigal son. You may feel beaten and bruised like the man on the Jericho Road. And you now find it really hard to let anyone come near you. You need have no fear of Jesus. He is our merciful high priest. He has seen human life from the inside and knows what it is to be beaten and bruised. His mercy is not for a moment, but for a lifetime. And in Lamentations, it says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning and for those of you who know him this morning we are able to stand together and say from Psalm 23 surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so may we all be given many opportunities to be merciful in the days ahead. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.